0: Mets are on their way back world champions
1: for the 27th time
2: home plate for all things major league baseball this is the nosebleeds podcast on WFUV sports
1: It's been a long summer, and we're back in the Rose Hill studio. We're recording yet another episode of Nosebleeds. Today's the last day of August, which only means one more full month of the regular season. So here we are today. I'm Maddie Bimonti, joined here today with my co-host, Brian Raybacks, Lou Orlando. Guys, this season has been miserable for us, but <laughs> the for The season's other...
0: ending? No, I'm in shambles.
1: I know. No, but, God. But, you know, with the end of the regular season, things are starting to- get a little dicey on a lot of teams we're getting a lot of news recently from a lot of different teams across the league so before we get into all of the drama this is our first day back here how are you guys doing and how was your first day of class
2: man it feels (laughs) great to be home in the studio with you guys uh it's been good uh right after this i got my first classes i got three of them today so looking forward to that looking forward to talking about Major League Baseball, the Mets, Yankees, amongst other things.
0: Can't wait to do it. It's all very exciting. I had a three-hour class yesterday. We're going to talk about Barbie, so that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Very excited about that. That is cool. I'm very excited to be back in in the studio with this this crew. Especially this crew. The one that
1: started the season.
0: This is true. And then they never put us together again. They said, this, they said this can't be allowed to happen, but they were kind of sleeping, and then the, the <laughs> chips fell where they lied.
1: Yeah, the chips fell, and, and we made the best of it, Manuvered. but we have a lot to get into today, but we're going to start off on the West Coast. The Angels have been a team that I have publicly bashed for the past couple weeks about their decisions, but they just did it again recently. Uh, aside from last night, something I do want to mention before we get into that, Bryce Harper did hit his 300th home run in the uh, Phillies, lost to the Angels, Um uh, I've come around on Bryce Harper. Could have been a Yankee.
2: Congrats, Bryce.
1: <laughs> so congrats, Bryce. Uh, it's been a great career for him so far. But but him aside and his 300th career home run, we got to put that aside because the Angels are doing big things again. And they have placed nearly a quarter of their roster on waivers on Tuesday. Uh, just a ton of players have gone up on waivers after what they tried to do was make a playoff run for Shohei Otani. Um, and now, since the August 1st deadline, they are 7-18, and which is the worst in the majors. Otani doesn't pitch. Uh, Mike Trout just came off the injured list, played one game, and then returned. <laughs> uh, the Angels were a half of a game ahead of Seattle on the deadline, who are now 63-70. and Mariners are 75-57, with a three-way tie across American League West. It can not get worse for them at this point. No. Like, so, I just want to know right off the bat. What what are the Angels doing here? Well,
2: first of all, that's crazy that the, they were ahead of the Mariners at the trade deadline. That's kind I of I forgot insane. about that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just want to ask like a couple clarifying questions to right. Arde Moreno, and I, I just want to make sure I have this right. You bought at the trade deadline in a last-ditch effort to make a run of the playoffs before Shohei Otani inevitably leaves you guys in the off season. Mm-hmm. So you trade for Lucas Giolito, Randall Gritchick, and Ronaldo Lopez. Those are your three big moves to buy. You then proceed to go 8-19 and 19 in the month of August. You fall to 11 and a half games out of a wild card spot. And then you place the three players that you traded for on waivers at the, de- at the end of August. What are you guys doing? It's a laughable, laughable organization. And it's so unbelievably confusing and just... They put themselves in such an awful spot. Do you know the trade package they could have gotten for Shohei Otani if they sold at the deadline and realized we don't have enough to make it run? Because you you bought at the deadline, and you didn't have Mike Trout. So you were missing one of your big pieces, and then the guys you traded for were awful. Gritchick was scorching hot in July when the Angels traded for him, and then in August he hit with a slash line of 165, 212, and 351. 45 WRC plus. Awful. Lucas Giolito 689 ERA as an Angel. It just couldn't have gone any worse. It couldn't have and now they're placing the three guys they traded for on waivers plus Hunter Renfro. I mean, it's just so unbelievable to see a team run their organization this poorly at this point in the
0: season. I can't believe it. I I guess like here here's my question. Like in my mind it was always if Shohei leaves, the Angels are screwed no matter what, right? Like, there's no possible world where Shohei leaves at the end of the season and the Angels are okay. So part of me was like, kind of like, why not show that, like, you care and try and keep him? Because I do think, right, like, remember the week leading up to the trade deadline, Shohei played the Yankees and just kept hitting homers, and it was so clear, like, oh, like maybe he doesn't want to get traded. Like, maybe he really wants to stay here. That I think they saw that and got really excited and were like, all right, for the first time in, like, over a decade, we'll actually make a move at the deadline that matters. Now, they chose, like, probably three of the worst players that they could have tried to acquire, and that's really? certainly yeah. on them. I don't, like, I don't know that I can completely blame them for trying to keep an all-time generational talent because part of me was a little upset when the Nationals moved Juan Soto. Like, that was a guy that should have been a franchise guy for them. I know that, I obviously I know that they probably were never going to give him that contract and that factors into it, but, like, if you're the angels you don't have a future even if you even if you trade and you get a crazy big package like i don't know i i don't hate them trying to keep him i mean but the package for otani it been is crazy. Crazy. we're talking yeah. it so we're been talking nuts. something different
2: here
1: and like the other thing is too it, it's like you want to keep him you you didn't do a good job at it. Like true. it was a really, really bad acquisition of these guys. You think Dominic Leone is going to be this great addition to the Angels that's going to make Shohei Otani want to be an Angel for very much longer? Yeah, well, he, I mean,
2: was, he was good enough to not get placed on waivers. <laughs> he's he's still over there. But
0: I mean, the mismanagement it even goes back to before the deadline. It's like signing a guy to Anthony Rendon. Like the mismanagement goes back several years when you look at the roster and where the Angels have been. Year in and year out, despite having the two best players in baseball, right? Like, they just, that's mismanagement
2: in its own right too. They can't help themselves from signing awful contracts, not knowing where to add in certain areas. They I, haven't I had starting pitching for years
0: until Otani got there. I can't think of a team that's had more just awful, awful, huge contracts. Pujols, Josh Hamilton, now Rendon, right? Like every contract and like low-key like Mike Trout since the contract has oh, just been yeah. hurt hasn't he? like I don't, I don't he hate hasn't. them for giving the contract but like that hasn't worked out great either right like they're just they're just they're not a great organization <laughs> they're... no
1: they're not a good organization and then Giolito said that he found out on Twitter he found no, out the news on Twitter so it's like wh- you can't even tell your own players that they're gonna go on waivers at that point so it's, it's like an all-around mess and
0: here's the other thing that I think is is pathetic is that they are they are cutting loose of these players like Fully for salary reasons, the Angels have mm-hmm. the second worst prospect pool in Major League Baseball. Like, I don't think there are a ton of guys that they're like really itching to get up there and like see time. This isn't like, and we'll see with a couple other teams, right? Teams that are calling it prospects because like they're looking towards next year and stuff like that. This is the Angels just don't want to pay money. They're fully giving up and they don't want to pay money anymore. It's just, like that's pathetic. Too. It's laughable.
2: So you look at this; it's an awful look for the Angels organization. Otani is. Definitely leaving in the off season. Like I'm, oh, that's yeah. a given. <laughs> Hot take: He's going to leave. So <laughs> then, whoa, dude! Whoa, whoa! What, Hot but take. Then, but then, what are the Angels left with? You're left with a Mike Trout who's who goes on the injury list every single year at this point, an Anthony Rendon contract that you just can't wait to get off your books. It's really hard for me to see that Angels even in a decent spot going into. Next season Because in the years past We've been like Yeah the Angels Should be a lot better With Mike Trout And Shohei Otani On your team But next year And maybe in Future seasons They could be One of the worst teams In Major League Baseball They could be really bad They could be really Is their bad
0: best pitcher Going to be Reed Detmers <laughs>
2: No that could be their ace. No, he, has has he no hasn't hitter. even been
0: that bad. But if yeah. like, that's the only pitch that I can come up with right now,
2: right? I, it's just I think some really dark days are ahead in Anaheim.
1: That team is like the Sisyphus thing, where it's just the guy pushing the, the boulder what? up the hill. One to must only, imagine Sisyphus to only being roll a happy back down guy. the second you get it up the hill, and you have to redo it all over again. It's like you get Shohei Otani. And then just everything comes crumbling right back down. You're back at square one, and you have nothing to do now. You d- you don't know it. So.
2: I, I I I get what you're saying, but the reference just the reference over not. You're not just not an educated it's just, person. Yeah, it's like a classic Clearly literature. You right? haven't even seen like the memes. I guess I guess yeah. I have. Jesus, just hasn't hit my radar. Yeah. Yet. Sorry. It's sad is
1: what it is. It's really sad, but. Uh, speaking of sad, more things across Major League Baseball are continuing to be sad, especially when we look at the media attention surrounding Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso has been in media attention recently because everybody thinks that he is going to get traded. They are not going to offer the Mets are not going to offer him the contract that he wants and he is going to go somewhere else. Um, and it it has led to a lot of articles and has worried a lot of Mets fans, but there was an article that came out yesterday that was very interesting about um, entitled is Pete Alonso toxic, ridiculous, but Mets polar bear is in need of a cold compromise. And it was this article about um, Pete Alonso's influence on the clubhouse, whether or not people believe he's toxic or not um, to which many former players spoke up saying it wasn't toxic. Uh, This is kind of baseless. The claims they're making about him, but the damage is kind of done in the media right now with the, their, their thoughts on Pete Alonzo and where he's going to go. So we'll start off just with general talk. What's, what's the deal with Pete? Is he staying? Is he going?
2: Well, it's interesting because Alonzo has had a great Mets career. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I think the Mets should look into keeping him. And the Mets have. They've negotiated with Pete in his camp, but they're just not finding an offer that they can really come together on. So, I think they can table it for now. But when you look at it, and look where the Mets are, and see what they just did—they just traded all of their players, Scherzer, Verlander, Tommy Pham—to load up on prospects and boost through their farm system. So, if you're in contract limbo with Pete, and he's in a contract year next year, they might, in their eyes, they might look into keeping him. Now, I don't think that's the right move because I think you got a haul. At the trade deadline for the guys that you traded. And you can build around Pete Alonso. You know, I keep talking to people, and Pete Alonso, just people like him don't just come around. A guy who hits 45 home runs a year <laughs> is having a crazy season. Like, you haven't gotten that. Part of the issue for the Mets in recent years has been the lack of power hitting outside of Alonso. Now you just yeah. want to take that away. I don't think you can do it. I think there's still time for something to get done. But Alonzo has a chance to be a Met for life. He's that talented. And players, by the way, are apparently going to Steve Cohen and saying, you have to keep this guy. You can't trade him. Mm-hmm. Those are the reports that are coming. So if you see that, how, do, how how do you trade him? You can't.
0: Uh, right, it makes it makes sense why players would fight for Alonso to stay. I think you heard, you heard the reports that players were upset when they traded Verlander and Scherzer. Of, of course well, that's fra- that's a separate discussion. Yeah. Right, I, but I think players are always going to be I upset. I thought that was ridiculous. Players are always going to be upset right. when you trade from a position of when you trade talented players, when you trade sure. people that are really respected yeah. in the game. I don't think players are going to be as excited about prospect return. As you know, fans are because fans, you know that you're going to be in it, right, Maddie? You're going to be a Met fan three years from now. Yeah. Guys that are on this Mets team right now don't know if they're going to be here three now, three right. years from now, right? So they're kind of looking at this year and going, "Well, the mission statement was win." But I mean, I think no matter what, right? You look at this team. You said it. Pete Alonso is the I wouldn't say the really the only elite hitter in that lineup. My biggest complaint about the Mets lineup is that Lindor can't be your second best hitter. He's a, a talented player, but he shouldn't be your second best bat in that lineup. We also, I think the conversation this also works into though is what contract is he asking for?
1: Because he what can I was command
0: a lot of money, and I, I remember we were watching one on one in Albany. I forget who said it, but I think there was a lot of talk of like Cohen has the money, just give him whatever he wants, and be like that's right. That I think that's just a really stupid notion. But also, like, you screw yourself over if you fall into that. And, like, even if it's a, hey, local kid, we really want this guy. We're going to gonna give him whatever he asked for, right? Because that screws you over with anyone else that wants to come here. If they look at the Mets and go, well, I can get 20 more million out of Steve Cohen. Like, it's going to make negotiations for everything that you do down the stretch. Really difficult that just because Steve Cohen has the money doesn't mean that you can throw it around loosely. If Alonzo's asking for Aaron Judge money, I think that's a bit over the top.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say because if you're looking at, if you're trying to compare him to like Olsen or Freeman and you're saying, okay, do we think Pete Alonzo deserves a deal absorbently bigger than theirs? When you look at. I don't even think
0: that he's better than either of those guys. That's
1: what I'm saying is like as a fan, like Mets aside as a fan I don't think so and so if he's asking for this ridiculous type of thing I understand why the Mets are dragging their feet a little bit at the end of the day I do agree you know <clears throat> with the Mets he is the face with Lindor being the captain de facto captain kind of Alonzo is the guy you think of kind of when you think of the Mets for the past couple of years you see him in the home run derby he loves representing the Mets he loves doing all this stuff and is cringy as it may be i I broke a laugh i I knew you you were going to start laughing as cringy it is he enjoys doing and representing his team and he loves playing for the team he says constantly he loves playing for this team he has 185 home runs across 653 games he averages more than 40 home runs per year across his four seasons at the end of the day i agree with the notion that we shouldn't just be throwing money just, just because he yes mm-hmm. for Because I, I do agree. I think that notion gets really right. bad and toxic for other players that come in. And then it pigeonholes the Mets into being this team that the media and other executives want to paint them to be. Mm-hmm. This team that just throws money now. They're just wasting their money. They're wasting the money. We need to cap them. We need to put more caps on Steve Cohen and do all of this stuff. It's not what we want to get out of it. They gave Nimmo the long-term contract there's no reason why at that point that Alonzo shouldn't get it, looking right. at him and Nemo, So it, it's like...
0: Right. Not I, throwing money at him and also trying to find a way to make this contract work are two different things. I, yeah. I think it's... In my mind, I think it's kind of a no-brainer if you can make it work, go out there and extend Alonzo. Like, he can whatever your timeline is for success 1 to 2 years like he's still going to be really good when that timeline hits it's also we haven't even reached
2: the off season yet so this is true right. yeah. i think i think a lot of the media is kind of taking this and
0: running with it uh, i think the whole like reason. they were shopping him got blown out of proportion like yeah, the Mets had a really tough season like you wouldn't take offers on anyone that's talented like if someone gives you hey we're thinking about Alonso we're going to give you this crazy prospect package like you're not going to at least talk about it and consider it like I think having trade talks I think that's a little bit different than like actively – I don't think they were actively trying to ship like Alonzo at every second. But I think they were considering the possibility of, hey, if we get blown out of the water with a crazy prospect package. But I think that's – you do your due diligence. That's what any good team, good front office should do. You essentially have to do that for
2: everybody, Right. Right. So I'm not reading too much into that, oh, they haven't agreed to a contract by – August thirty fourth, August thirty first of twenty twenty three. That's when he's, a <laughs> <laughs> when he's going to be a free agent in twenty twenty four? That's where the four yeah. came from. It's like you got to relax a little bit. I know Mets fans are all like on ease now because they just traded everybody and they fear Alonzo could be next. But people are taking this and running with it, and the whole toxic thing is. Ridiculous! I just I don't even know that... where it came from. Sa- I think it came from there was And
0: there was one story from like like Jagram had to say something to Alonzo his rookie season. I don't I don't think that means that Alonzo's his, a bad yeah, leader. His rookie he's, season. He's just like an odd dude.
1: Yeah, like yeah, it's just sad. It's just an odd
0: bloke. Well, I I think I read something last night that
2: Salicata like went on a rant and said. Alonso's contributed to a toxic Mets culture, and then that got back to the Mets, and they shut that down immediately. So oh, yeah,
1: nobody probably in that organization likes him to begin with, anyway. The, <laughs> yeah. the way he's been talking this the past NL season, the NL
2: East is over. <laughs>
1: so yeah, it's it's looking it's looking a little bit tense for Mets fans. But I I literally I just can't see this any other way that he doesn't stay with them at this point. I just I can't see it any other way. But the Mets also have done another thing. Ronnie Mauricio, the team's fourth-ranked prospect, number one overall prospect, is getting called up this week. Um, they don't know where exactly they're going to put him because uh, he spends a lot of time as like a shortstop, and uh, I believe in like left uh, field. Uh, he's played some second base, but uh, obviously with Lindor's position, it's kind of hard to move him. But he's still young; he has time to adapt to a new position. Um, he, you know, has been a uh, long awaited thing for this for this Mets staff and for the Mets fans. And I have been waiting to see him get called up after seeing the slew of young Mets players get called up and he has just been sitting there in the minors forever and ever and ever. Um and he is just offensively just very impressive. Slashing 292, 346, 506, 23 homers, 71 RBIs, 116 games. They have now turned their attention to next season. I think that that is gone without saying. But my my issue, I think, with this is I don't know if I really like the way the Mets have handled all of the different young Mets this season in terms of what they've done with them. If you compare the, the four in particular now, Alvarez, Beatty, Vientos, and now Mauricio, with Alvarez getting called up. Um, and playing catcher, he's been excellent for being a rookie guy to come in this spot. Um, he's tailed off now at the end of the year, but I think that's been a burnout for a lot of young players that we've seen. The Beatty situation is a little bit more different because Beatty got sent back down a little bit ago after just not producing. He was really struggling defensively. He was not hitting. He was just not producing. I think he might have been. He should have been sent down a little bit earlier because I think this was like a long time coming for him. I don't think he was like really ready. And Vientos has been like a flash in the pan with the Mets pan uh, organization in terms of he. They've been calling him up, then sending him back down, and they're not benching him. They weren't playing him. him. They weren't playing him. They benched him. He came up for the Red Sox series, and then he didn't really play a lot. And then it was just a whole lot of back. So I have to ask, what are you? Doing with your young players, like now that now there's a month left, so now you have all these guys. But it took you until the last month of the season to really try this out. When you saw how bad this team was really doing throughout a majority of the season, like I just I don't understand the way they've mismanaged all of these guys in different ways. To now, Mauricio's coming up, and as as much as I like to say, I think he's going to do good that leaves the big question of what are they doing with him next season? Because if they're already concerned about where he's going to play and what they're going to do with him, I, looking at how they've organized this team this year with Vientos, I don't know how they're going to put Mauricio in this lineup that frequently, if if at all, next year.
2: Well, they they better find out a way. So I guess that's why he's up with a month left in the season. They, they better figure this out because obviously Lindor is your shortstop for the next however many years. So he's... Shortstop's not an option for Ronnie Mauricio. It just comes down to, can he show that he's a major league caliber player and he can be consistent? Can he find a position in the field? Because that was the issue with Vientos. Yeah, Talented hitter, but he just didn't have a place to play in the field. And at this point in the year, obviously the Mets aren't trying to contend, so you might as well give someone like Ronnie Mauricio a shot just to see what he has, because What's the alternative? Danny Mendick and Jonathan Arauz are in the are in the lineup every day. You're gonna fix Tim LeCastro in there. Like you might as well just give it to one of your highly touted prospects, especially if he's been excelling at Triple A, where he's got an 8.52 OPS. That's pretty good, and he steals a lot of bases too. So I think this month is gonna be figuring out what is his role. He's apparently not that strong at second second base. He's he can play left field. It's about finding a position that's not shortstop because that position is Lindor's. So, At this point in the year, obviously the Mets have punted. The season does not matter other than developing your players, and Mauricio is there for just that. Now, it's odd that you look at Mauricio, and then you look at Brett Beatty also just hanging out in Syracuse, but that's a different discussion, but Mets fans have wanted Mauricio up on this roster for a long time Mm -hmm. now,
0: and listen, better late than never, I guess, right? I think it's cool because I think there was a while where he just kind of looked like a guy that was you were never going to see him as a Met, that he yeah. was going to get traded at a deadline. If the Mets were contenders this year. I think he was maybe getting traded <laughs> oh, at the deadline. for sure. And, I mean, what, what kind of sucked about that is I think that there was a point when when I think of the trio of top Mets prospects that have been in the conversation for a while, and it's Alvarez, Beatty, Mauricio, there was a decent stretch where I think everyone was most excited about Mauricio. Yeah. and. I'll give you this, I think the really tough thing, right, he's not that great at second base, we don't know if he's a great outfielder, and his primary position is shortstop, like when we talk about the Yankees, it's not like any of the top Yankees prospects are right fielders, and you have to balance them with Aaron Judge, right, you have Francisco Lindor there, that in certain ways blocks your top shortstop prospect. But I think it's a, right, it's a move that has to happen. like what are you doing the rest of the season? Mm-hmm. That you might as well figure it out. You look at this lineup even if Mauricio's defense isn't great at second base or it's not great in the outfield. like get him in the lineup and again, it, it's see what you have. That's why I think I'm okay keeping Beatty down in the minor leagues right now, even though I do think that they mishandled that situation because to a certain extent, you know where Beatty is right now mm-hmm. and you know where he needs to probably get to in order to feel comfortable with him in the minor league ro- on the minor league or the major league roster. Mariso, you don't know yet. So give him Give him a month of A-Bs. Let him start and let him figure it out. If it's ugly, that's what I keep saying with the prospects. If it's ugly, it's ugly. It kind of doesn't matter at this point. Like, good, but call up your prospects. Let them play. The season doesn't
1: matter. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think my issue with just the Mets right now is I can't guarantee he's going to really play all that much as we think he's going to play because of the See, way, that's way the Mets— weird. <clears throat> and I hate to say that, but it's just like, look at the way they've organized this team all year. They'll call up a guy and he'll sit on the bench for five games. So, like, I know we know that the season's over and they're going to play them, but really, realistically, looking at the way they've managed, are they really going to be playing him I that I feel much? like so- I
2: have reason to believe the month of September is different than the month of June. Because I guess you can look at it in the month of June that you still want to develop these guys, but at the same time... You're still trying to win baseball games and make the playoffs. And I guess that's what Buck Showalter is prioritizing, where maybe we can't put Mark Vientos at third base because he could
0: lose a game in a crucial spot. It's just so weird. Like, the Mets had like, accepted selling way earlier than the Yankees did. And two weeks ago, the Yankees said, the prospects that we have up in our roster, they're going to play every day, every day. over people that, like, the, the Yankee front office had been pretty loyal to. Right. right. Like, stubbornly so to the point where fans were like, get this guy off the roster. I don't want to see him in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, uh, even though, like, right, like DJ Stewart's raking, or you have guys like Danny Mendick, Jonathan R. Who's like, like, I don't know, do those guys need to play over a Marco Vientos, over a Ronnie Mauricio? In my mind, no, because I don't know mm-hmm. necessarily that they're part of the future. Yeah. That is, it's so weird to me that even though they seem to have accepted selling. Like, they're not going full out when it comes to, all right, well, let's play the prospects and get them as many reps as possible. And maybe I'd be more prone to believe you in the sense of, like, well, we don't want to rush our prospects into a bad situation. We don't want to throw them in if they're not ready. But that's what they did with Beatty. So it's like there's no consistency when it comes to that stuff. That's
1: what I'm saying. And it's just been been really inconsistent. And I don't, with the talent that they have, I just am not confident that they... Know what they're doing with the young talent when they get it. Like they know what they're doing. I with wonder it. if
0: Buck's on the same. like, have there been conversations with Buck and the front office because, like Buck's been through, you know, down years before, especially towards the end of his his tenure with Baltimore. But, like Buck also seems like the type of guy that probably will go out and play the best available player that I want. like that has to be a conversation that's been had between the front office and Buck, like, hey, play the prospects.
2: yeah. is like is the agenda or the mindset between the front office and Buck showalter just? Different, like at some no, point you can't you be. can't let Buck Walter like I guess you have to let him manage how he wants to manage, but at the same time you can't because right. the front office is making an investment in these and pieces that Buck
0: Walter just might not be there next season. Probably right. not going to be there, right? Like, like Ronnie
2: Mauricio might be there in 2024. Right. Buck Walter might not, and yeah. I'm pretty confident that Danny Mendick, Jonathan Arauz, and Tim Locastro will not be there next season. So as tough as it is, I mean this is major league baseball it's not supposed to be a business where you try to make people feel good you have to make decisions like this and get mauricio in the lineup play mark vientos a little more arauz and mendic i'm sorry i keep harping on them but like those guys don't need to be hitting seventh and eighth in your lineup every single night like it's okay you can let mauricio get his runway and if he's not good, he's not good. But at the same time, you at least get to see him. He at least gets experience, and then he can take that into spring training next year and have some sort of role on a Mets team in 2024 that apparently isn't even aiming at contention. So why not just get as much out of him as
1: you can? Right. And there's another team across town that's also calling up their sure prospects. Is. Uh, Jason Dominguez, Austin Wells got called up the other day, Um and... This is big news for them. Dominguez being the number 2 prospect for the Yankees, he's 78th overall. Wells is the eighth ranked team prospect. Uh, you know, I watched Dominguez a little bit in spring training when I was forced to do a lot of stuff. And so I had to see him a lot. And and I'm glad to see him again because he was, you know, really impressed me in spring training and so now seeing him um back. He did AAA. He did about eight games. He hit 444, five walks, two strikeouts, trying to get up to the majors. He has an 801 OPS in 117 games across AA and AAA combined, including 15 homers and 39 stolen bases. So right now, this team is also playing the game of let's just play whoever we can, because we'll get into what other things the Yankees have done after this. They made a couple moves. They made a little they made a couple of moves, but right now it's about calling up these two young guys and I just want to know what you guys think of these two guys that you've seen right off the bat.
2: Well yeah, you spoke really highly of him and sounded so impressed when you said you were forced to watch (laughs) him in spring training. But you are right, he looked really good in the spring and he was never gonna crack the major league roster out of spring training, but when you talk about someone who was as young as he was and as hyped up as he's been, that was really encouraging to see. So then you take it to the minor league season. He starts out in double A and he struggles. He struggles, but at the same time, he keeps developing and he gets a lot better as the double A season progresses. His numbers get a lot better. When he goes to triple A, he plays what, eight, nine games there mm-hmm. and he just mashes. He hits the cover off the ball, he does great. Enough where the Yankees feel like, okay, you can get called up. Like, it's time. So I think this is really exciting for Jason Dominguez. And it's really unfortunate that a guy as likable as Harrison Bader has to be the casualty about this because he also got put on waivers. But when it's making room for the Martian and you get to see him play center field and he can play other corner outfield spots, maybe, I think at this point – it makes the Yankees season something worth watching. Where, obviously, if they're they're not making the playoffs, they're not going for it in September. So you have Dominguez, and let's not forget about Austin Wells either. This guy's a first round pick. I remember when they drafted him, thinking, okay, another catcher, another <laughs> another catcher. We, we have we have Gary Sanchez. What are we doing here, guys? But now we're at a point where Gary Sanchez is gone, and there's room for Austin Wells on the roster. Ben Workvet. Hasn't done anything other than the fact that he's Cole's personal catcher, so I don't really know where that situation stands. But he's also done well in in the minors, too. He's a bat-first catcher, and as we've seen as the season's gone on, his defense has gotten a lot better, and they've really focused in on developing that aspect of his game. So the Yankees keep calling up the kids. They're doing more than just Pereira and Peraza. They're also doing Dominguez and Wells. So I guess you have to be excited for the last month of the Yankee season seeing what these prospects are able to do.
0: I mean, listen, it's— at least in this point it's they're giving me a reason to be interested right right this yankees team has been dead i would say before the trade deadline when they did nothing that was another dagger well, and then I, nine game losing streak another stab in the on the topic of that the only like thing that annoys me about this
2: is the fact that you put Harrison Bader on waivers and you're giving spoiler up spoiler alert and you're giving sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> just
0: completely just skipping past the run sorry for the listeners and the <laughs> rest of the doing? episode but it's ruined. Um but <laughs> they come here for baseball new breaking baseball breaking. news. Exactly. And you just you ruined Maddie's moment. Yeah. No, but woman can't a host.
2: I'll <laughs> I'll only mention Harrison Bader, but Bader gets put on waivers and he was someone that was like, Do you trade him at the offs at the trade deadline? Do you look into getting something for him? Yeah. Well, they didn't. They stayed there. They <laughs> no. did nothing. They got Keenan Middleton and then, Don't say it like that. He's a great guy. <laughs> he's he's unwell. <done> <laughs> you
1: know
0: but, him personally? <laughs> His mom likes my tweets.
2: Aww. Yeah. great guy, great family. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, you end up just cutting loose with Harrison Bader anyway, and you get nothing for him. And this is where we get back to the discussion of doing nothing
0: at the trade deadline it was, was the worst thing yeah. that the Yankees could have done. It was so crazy. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought this up because I had the same thoughts. I I don't want to like. I don't want to spread misinformation because I I I saw a tweet. And I'm, so I'm not. I I just want to. I just wonder if like. There was a like. Hal came down and was like, "Don't trade people. Like, just stay, just stay in it and, and stay put." Because it is crazy to me that they didn't. And they, like, I think, it, I don't know, maybe fans we overreact, but it was so obvious that this team wasn't going anywhere. I feel like way back when we did like the mid we did the mid season review, yep. and mind you, they were like in the wild card race. Like, I mean, maybe yeah. a game or two back, right? And we still were like, I remember I asked the question like, "Do you think this team can do anything in the postseason?" And the best we come up with is like we have to wait and see. And immediately we saw that that shows this, what our confidence yeah, was in the roster not, was wasn't doing anything. That it's so it is so crazy to me that like that they didn't do what the Mets did, and I don't think they had as much talent to deal. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, like I just and I keep harkening back to 2016 because I think right now there are a lot of parallels to 2016 and what's happening right now with calling up the kids and letting them play and letting them figure it out. Right, the big difference is 2016. You traded all your veterans. You traded all the guys that you didn't think were going to come back. And hey, right, you got Glaber, and I, Glaber has now an 800 OPS. He's been a staple. They should bring him back. It's a different conversation. Blah blah blah. You don't. Ha- you probably didn't have a guy that you could trade to get a Glaber Torres type prospect. But you know what? You traded Carlos Beltran for Dylan Tate, and Dylan Tate turned into Zach Britton. Right. So just getting, getting, getting talent, getting prospect value, even if it doesn't necessarily. Dylan Tate never did anything for the Yankees. But he became, he turned into someone that right. was. Zach Britton was a really important reliever for those those late 2010s Yankee teams. That you could have done something to to set yourself up for the future, and you didn't. I will say, I'm really glad they called up Dominguez. Think about like how excited we were when Volpe got called up. and We were like, Oh, Volpe's ahead of schedule. He's 22 years old. Dominguez is 20. When's the last time we've seen a 20 year old make like be on the Yankees major league roster? That's that's so exciting. Like I, I'm. He's, st- y- he's younger than me which is scary. That's great. What I, are you doing with your life? I know, right? <laughs> I'm scared because, like, listen, Dominguez, I think more than anyone else, Volpe got hyped up so quickly. Dominguez has been hyped up since he was 14. Right. Yeah. Like, he's been hyped up as the next Mickey Mouse. We call him the Martian. Like, there's so many ways where, like, this could just, like, completely collapse because there have been a lot of, like, there are a lot of times where it's like, mm, do we trade the Martian for this guy? And I was always like, I'm really excited to see Jason Dominguez. But I'm also really scared that if he's not like a superstar player, that in my mind he might be a bust. I I'm I'm so scared, but I'm I'm really excited to see him. I'm keeping my expectations low because he's 20 and he makes his debut mm-hmm. against Justin Verlander. Less excited about oh, Well. it's true, they yeah. do make their debut off of Verlander. That's that's a tough hand to be dealt. Mm-hmm. That's bad. I don't know why I'm less excited about Wells. But like I'm also glad I'm glad they're calling up because what's again what's, what's the, the point? alternative? Yeah. What's the point? You're going to keep playing Penworth. I love Kyle Hagashioka. He's probably the perfect backup catcher long term.
1: I mean, you talk about Wells, and I told you I was oh, going to read you Wells' scouting report from Major League Baseball, which read, A complete package at the plate, hitting for average in power while also drawing a healthy amount of walks.
0: Love the healthy amount of walks. Who will
1: never win a Golden <coughs> Glove, <laughs> and <laughs> has made himself into at least a fringy receiver. But base stealers have run wild on him in 2023. Okay. So, you know... I think both prospects should be – it should be really fun to see. I think I agree with seeing Jason Dominguez up there. It's definitely very scary because it's how I kind of feel with Mauricio where, yes, he's been hyped up less, but we've been seeing him all season long. We get the updates as Mets fans, like in the minors, every single game. Mauricio hit a double. Mauricio hit a home run. Mauricio fielded. Like, I. It, it's hugely anxious for me to sit here and be like, He's going to get called up, and we're going to have another Beatty situation like where he completely collapses, and we worry about his confidence. We worry about where he his head's at. We worry about like this mental kind of block on the season, and then we're back, and we're like, what do we do? Well, I mean,
0: dude, Dominguez got off to a slow start in double it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and people were like, oh, he's a bust. Yeah. We get, it's over. Trade him. <laughs> Yeah, double A. And he ended up, no one really talked about how, like, he completely turned it around, like, since, like, June and was raking in double A. Got called up to triple A, got, like, three hits, a triple in his first game. Like, Jason Dominguez, for the most part, has really impressed every time we've seen him spring training, right? Like, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about a guy that, like, could very easily be one of your future outfielders for a really long time. And it's also when you look at initial expectations and.
2: The pressure of doing well when you come up. I mean, Yankee fans were very patient with Volpe right. at the
0: start of the season. Mm-hmm. And they should be more so with these guys because they are... Because the more season so, does not right. matter. But also because these guys are fully un- unpolished products. Like, these are not... like. Volpe got called up and the Yankees were trying to win these are not guys that were going to get called up if the Yankees were actively trying to win like mm-hmm. what Maddie said in the Skyline report like we've kind of heard that to a certain extent right that like there was a weird report where it's like this bat is as good as like it's ever going to get like there's not there's no more mm-hmm. progress to be made there and they looked at his stats and like That's not great because the stats, it's like he's one-dotting OPSing down in the minor leagues. And then you you obviously hear the stuff about the defense. So it's cool to see them take a flyer because I think we've seen other teams across the league take flyers and guys that you know maybe this guy in port was they're not polished products. It's nice to see the Yankees do that, acknowledging that, yeah, this season is over.
1: And we talk about the season being over. It's over for a couple of Yankees. Uh, We mentioned (laughs) a little bit earlier. Breaking news. Breaking news. Mm -hmm. Harrison Bader.
2: (laughs) Just act like you weren't listening. Fifteen minutes. Just act like you didn't hear. Blurted that out.
1: Harrison Bader. Josh Donaldson. (laughs) Oh man. Oh man. I've been waiting for this day where Josh Donaldson finally got it. Listen, you and I had this conversation Mm -hmm. multiple times throughout the season. We did. You have said a couple of things to me regarding Josh Donaldson.
0: It was now we're here. Can they beat can them on air?
2: <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> it was more. Than, it was more than just to you. Okay, there was a lot he of said to the world. That, yeah, I was not. <laughs> he put not the world a, on notice. Yeah, but listen, there were a lot of Yankee fans who, because Yankee fans love to have this sky is falling narrative, and it's like, oh, cut Donaldson. Well. They ended up being You're right. So right but... <laughs> listen, so shockingly right. I won't make excuses for how I defended him. I could make the argument that oh, his barrel percentage was the highest of his career. Oh, he had a fifty-one point three hard hit percentage, which was six percent better than his MVP season. He might have gotten really unlucky. <laughs> but listen, he hit one forty. <laughs> he hit one forty-two.
1: <laughs> Hand him the MVP.
2: <laughs> if w- you look at the
0: underlying metrics.
2: <laughs> But that's why this season was so weird. Like the underlying <laughs> metrics were actually really good, but his actual numbers were so bad. Yeah, he funny, w- ain't it? <laughs> he hit one forty two, a two twenty five on base percentage. Mm. That's really ugly. Bad argument. And then mm-hmm. somehow with that, he has a six fifty nine OPS because he popped ten homers and then had five hits the whole year that were not home runs. So I mean the tenure was just a disaster. I mean in his time with the Yankees. Obviously, he was not the player that he was in Toronto, in Oakland, in Minnesota, in Atlanta. Sure, so, any other place he had been yeah. before the Yankees. Yeah, the stats don't line up. It's right. right. crazy. And I guess this is them finally admitting failure to the Minnesota trade. I mean, it's one of the worst trades. It, it looks so with. bad. And I like IKF now. And listen, it's all I get it. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but looking back at it, obviously the Yankees had to make changes after twenty twenty one, and they needed to shake things up. So. If you trade Gio Urshela, if you trade Gary Sanchez, fine. But if the move is getting a 37-year-old Josh Donaldson who ends up being one of the most hated Yankees in the last in the past century, past century might be excessive. Talking more 2000s. If he's the most in the 21st century,
0: definitely. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's just man, that's one of Brian Cashman's biggest failures as GM of the Yankees and he deserves a lot of flack for it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I
0: I say it's nice because Right. Initially, we both saw the Chris Kirshner tweet that was like, oh, they're doing this to open up a a roster, a 40 man roster spot. And then they follow up, like, no, I'm wrong. He was already on the 60 man, 60 day IL, that this doesn't affect the 40 man at all. I was like, well, that's kind of cool that, like, this wasn't even like, uh, well, we need to cut bait with him because we're bringing up Wells, bringing up Dominguez. This was literally just a part of Ammunizacy. Probably healthy, and they lied about the injury. Oh, and Now yes. they're gonna oh, go. Well, he's, he's healthy. They're if gonna you, go let him play.
2: If you've seen him right. take batting practice, like that is not a guy who just came off right. of a grade three calf strain.
0: I'll yeah. say I think that's most of it. That it's like they're gonna try and go let him play somewhere else. But I did think it was cool that like this isn't even roster manipulation. Like the Josh Johnson experiment is over. They admitted it way too late because hey man, late August. People, did, did, people were he saying was in the offseason he you was have not to... coming back. Once, he, one, like once they put him in the sixty-day IL, it was so clear. Like Josh Donaldson was not going to play games for the Yankees again. You knew when he had that injury in
2: Colorado, he was his Yankee career was over. And then they call up Peraza, and they say Parraza is probably going to play third base every single day. And right. it lingers in the back of your mind. Okay, Donaldson's available to come back September fourteenth. What would he be doing if, when he comes
0: back? If Donaldson was a Met, you think he's still playing?
1: If Donaldson was a Met, you would have heard me on Twitter every single day, <laughs> like oh, I, in
0: the same like Brian Rebeck's right? like we s- need Donaldson in the lineup no. type stuff.
1: Be like, please, 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 get this man out of my lineup. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see I,
0: him. I will say I was with Brian, especially earlier in the season when everyone like because Donaldson got hurt right away and everyone was like, I don't want to see Donaldson so throwing right out like that. He's hitting one forty three, and I was like, it's three games, right? Like let let let's give it a little bit of time. We were wrong. Like Donaldson should have been it. off the roster. Yeah, we made a mistake. It's one of my biggest failures ever. Yes. <laughs> and In likewise life. for In the life. Yankees too. I
1: yeah. mean, yeah, he's what thirty six right now. Like, he's, he's old.
0: 80. He's an old he's man. Old. So he's an he's, old guy. This
1: was kind of like when you're doing your kind of final rounds hmm. as a player. You're like, what do you want to do and what do you want to accomplish as a player? Oh, I want to he go play for to the destroy Yankees. Destroy
0: a franchise. <laughs>
1: He wanted to make a fan base <laughs> miserable. Bobby
0: Chafford, thinks anything so he can be a coach, and I don't hate the dick. He could. I, I see. I yeah. see him talking. He looks like perfect to be a, nice, a
2: hitting coach. He does. He's
0: always years. been like a hitting guru. He's gonna find like an assistant hitting coach role somewhere. If your Hell. coach ever tells you to hit the ball on the ground, Say tell
2: him no. no.
1: <laughs> He'll find something to do. But good. I hope so. But good riddance. I this experiment. Is over. I don't have to hear about it anymore. We'll miss,
2: we'll miss you, JD. We'll
1: miss. We won't miss you, JD. See you. See you next time. But that is also going to do it for us here today on Nosebleeds. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. You can catch all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. But so long here from Rose Hill Studio today with Lou Orlando, Brian Raybacks. I'm Maddie Pamonti saying enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy the rest of the regular season.